0: Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 20, as we continue our study of this fourth gospel. John chapter 20. Today we'll be looking at verses 24 to 31. John chapter 20. John 20 begins with the account of Jesus rising from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead, not resuscitated after his heart stopped like might happen in some emergency room around the country, not some near-death experience like you might read about in a supermarket tabloid. No, he was dead, buried for three days, and then came back to life with a brand new body better than the old one. Do you really believe that? That's the heart of the Christian faith. It's impossible to be a Christian if you don't believe that. I have a confession to make. Sometimes this claim so blows my mind that I wonder if I really believe it. Can such a fantastic claim be true? It is such an impossibility. We have no precedent for it. Are we throwing away our brains here? Are we nuts? If you've ever agonized like that over this claim, then this text is for you, as it is for me. Let me read it, verse 24. His disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Actually, we've studied this text before, uh, one Easter morning back a few years, two or three, I don't remember exactly. And uh, we looked at this passage together. You may remember some of it as we proceed, but its truths are still true today, as they were then and as they have always been. Two truths. We'll spend most all of our time on the first one, and that's this Jesus is not afraid of your honest doubts. Jesus is not afraid of your honest doubts. Well, the fair is over, and I have a remarkable thing to report. I'd like to brag up my wife just a little bit. You see, this year Jane and I made it through a whole afternoon and evening at the fair without buying even one dose of cotton candy. (laughs) Now that may seem, seem silly to even mention such a thing, but you see, Jane's not supposed to eat cotton candy. But she loves cotton candy. Now I will admit, I don't understand it. Cotton candy, that is. There's nothing to it. I mean, it's it's like a, a, a hint of uh, sweetness, and then nothing, <laughs> nothing but air. <laughs> it's it's a figment of your imagination. It's like it, you, it's like you almost are going to bite into something, but then there's nothing to bite into. But I have found one good use for cotton candy. Cotton candy describes for us, it illustrates for us, the Christianity that is around us everywhere. A bundle of great claims looks impressive, colorful, tastes sweet. But when you bite into it, there's nothing there. No substance. Flavored air. Air. As I've thought about Thomas over the years, and this week, yet again, he's become somewhat of a folk hero for me, for Thomas refuses to have that kind of religion. In fact, I suspect if you saw Thomas at the fair, he would not be eating cotton candy. You see, we've given Thomas a bad name. We now speak of doubting Thomases. I looked it up, it's even in my dictionary. Doubting Thomas, a person who habitually doubts, a chronic skeptic. Poor Thomas. <laughs> but you see, through Thomas's experience, the Lord wants to teach us something about the down-to-earth substance of the faith. It's not cotton candy religion. It's substantive. It's real. Specifically, we understand through Jesus' interaction with Thomas that he's not afraid of our honest doubts. He's not afraid of us thinking. Now there are three, at least three reasons here why Jesus is not afraid of Thomas's doubts. The first is that he knew Thomas. He knew Thomas. We may call Thomas a chronic skeptic, but That's too easy. Let me introduce you to him a little bit. We've seen him as we've gone through the book of John. If we turn back just a few pages to John 14, we see Thomas there. John 14. We all know the beautiful words of verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. But let's back up. Let me read the beginning of this chapter. Jesus is speaking. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place I'm going. Now, some of the disciples may have been mesmerized by those wonderful words, but not Thomas. Wonderful words are nice, but what exactly is it that you mean? Look at verse 5. Thomas said, Lord, we don't even know where you're going. (laughs) How can we know the way? Don't you like this guy? No cotton candy religion for him. You got to pin it down, Lord. What are we talking about here? And so... Thomas's question becomes the occasion for Jesus to unpack for us this wonderful teaching about how he meets us in our lostness, and he, and he meets us in our delusion after being lied to so often, and he meets us in that inevitable lifelong struggle with dying, that in Jesus we have all these things. Thank you, Thomas, for your outspoken honesty, which clarified the truth for all of us. Turn back a couple more pages to John 11. See Thomas again. Jesus had departed from Judea because of attempts on his life. and Now he hears that his good friend Lazarus is sick. As he makes his preparations to go back and see Lazarus, his disciples begin to argue with him. Look at verse 7. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back. But Rabbi, they said, a short time ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back, going back there? They don't want him to go, because obviously their lives are endangered. Theirs along with his. Only Thomas speaks in favor of going back. Verse 16. Then Thomas called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now, you may say, what a pessimist, just assuming that they're going to go back and die. I say, what commitment? This man may have questions, his faith may be small, but don't question his willingness to put it all on the line, folks. He's ready to die with Jesus. If Jesus is going, I'm going. If Jesus is dying, I'm dying. This is no cotton candy disciple here. Substantive. Puts his life on the line. Back to John 20 here. Thomas had seen Jesus die. It cut his heart out, but he understood what he saw. And then three days later, he meets his friends. And they say, Thomas, we saw the Lord. (laughs) Now put yourself in Thomas' place. You're not into hype. You're not a cotton candy sort of guy. Self-delusion is not the way you work. The truth may be hard, but let's not kid ourselves. Let's take it like a man. So how would you respond if you're Thomas? As the disciples all say, guess what? We saw the Lord, and you know he's dead. Well, look at verse 25. Thomas says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand to his side, I will not believe. I like this guy, don't you? Can't you see you saying that? And Jesus likes him too. Because Jesus knows Thomas. He knows his commitment. He knows his honesty. He knows his candor. Jesus is not afraid of Thomas's doubts for he knows they're honest doubts. And folks, Jesus is not afraid of your honest doubts either. I just call you to be honest. Thomas was willing to die with Jesus. His questions come from that kind of a heart. You see, if questions, if your questions are a form of rebellion, some way to outmaneuver God and to get out from under his truth, that's one thing. Well, the Lord, you can't outmaneuver the Lord. But if your doubts are that you don't understand and you say, Lord, whatever it is, wherever it is, you show me and I'll do it. Make it clear and I'll believe it. And I'll go wherever you send me and I'll do whatever you say. Here's my life, Lord. I put it on the line. I just don't understand. Then I say to you that God is not afraid of your need for understanding, your honest doubts. I know that's God's attitude because God tells me that's to be ministers' attitudes as we preach his word. Paul talks about it. He says, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception. We do not distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth Plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, if God calls me to be committed to never use deception or distortion, but to speak plainly in a way that commends the truth to your conscience, is God going to do less? Is God going to turn away the honest seeker who says, I want to know, I'm willing to believe? I'll go, I'll do, I'll believe what you show. Of course, Jesus is willing to receive, to listen to your prayer, to hear your cry. He says so. You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So I call you to seek him, honestly, like Thomas well, Thomas, uh, Jesus is not afraid of Thomas's honest questions, for he knows Thomas. He's also not afraid of Thomas's questions because Jesus knows that his resurrection will stand the test. His resurrection will stand the test. Sometimes at Easter, I like to ask people, "When Jesus rose from the dead, was it uh, was his body real, or was it like a spirit or a ghost?" When Jesus rose from the dead, could you like feel his body or was it like a, a ghost that you couldn't get a hold of? Amazing how many Christians will say, well, he was just a spirit too. It's a ghost. No. Look at verse 27. Jesus says to Thomas, put your finger right here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. And stop doubting and believe. Jesus is not afraid to prove it to Thomas. It's not the only time. It happened over in Luke chapter 24. We made reference to it last week. Let me read it to you. Luke chapter 24, right at the end, verse 37. They were startled and frightened when Jesus appeared, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. Or consider Acts chapter 1, verse 3, where we read that after his suffering, Jesus showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Many convincing proofs. You see, Jesus is not afraid of our honest questions because he understands that his resurrection is true. It really happened. It will stand against any scrutiny of the evidence. Now, we can't put our fingers in the nail prints and reach our hand into the side of Jesus, but the resurrection still will withstand the scrutiny that we can give it. The beginning of the 19th century... Sir Gilbert West and Lord Littleton, two great literary lights of England, conceived a masterful plan to suppress the gospel. It seemed to them, these two scholars, that the uh, two greatest miracles in the Christian religion were the resurrection of Jesus and Saul's conversion when he supposedly saw the living Jesus on the road to Damascus. And so Gilbert agreed to study and refute the resurrection of Christ, and Lord Littleton was to study and refute the conversion of Saul. So they parted to go and do their cynical work and come back to publish and to do great harm to Christianity. The conclusion of their work, they met again, and Lord Littleton asked, Well, what's the result of your work? And Sir Gilbert West said, I have thoughtfully investigated the resurrection of Christ but I've come to the conclusion that he is who he said he was and that he came forth from the grave. That he is, as he claimed, the veritable son of God. And Lord Littleton had worked independently, said, and I have fully investigated the narrative of the conversion of Saul and I am satisfied that this man on his Damascus journey really did see the living Jesus of Nazareth, and that that Jesus is the very Christ of God. Two cynics, scholars, set out to refute, only came to believe. Jesus is not afraid of honest questions because his resurrection really took place and it will withstand the scrutiny And so this morning, I invite you to look more closely, to probe the depths, to examine the evidence. Jesus has risen from the dead. In fact, several people have gathered that evidence to make it more easy to examine. I I mentioned a couple that I've mentioned along the way. Josh McDowell has put it all in a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and John Stott argues the case quite convincingly in his little introductory book, Basic Christianity. And so I challenge you, if you claim not to believe, But if you won't even take the time to listen to the arguments, then I say, you're not as honest as the Lord is. For he's willing to entertain your doubts if you would dare to look at the evidence. He's not afraid of your questions. Are you afraid of the answers? Jesus is not afraid of our honest doubts. He knew Thomas. He knows the nature of the resurrection. And finally, He's not afraid of our honest questions, for he knows that truth turns honest doubters into fervent disciples. You see, at first Thomas kind of lagged behind the others. Here it is, the the, the ten that are left, Judas is gone, but the ten other than Thomas, they all believe in Jesus and they're rejoicing that he's raised from the dead, and Thomas doesn't buy it. But by pursuing his honest questions, when he did come to see the truth, he leaped out in front of all the rest of them in his response. Look at verse 28. After uh, he put his uh, hands in Jesus' side, Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Now here's a confession of who Christ is and what his relationship to us is that is unparalleled with... By any confession prior to this, by any of the apostles, he came to grips with the truth and he felt its weight and he worshipped Jesus. You see, that's how it often is with those who have lots of questions. The people who are hard to convince, when they do understand the truth, when they are convinced, they become more passionate about the truth than anyone Especially than those cotton candy, kind of no substance Christians that kind of float around saying they believe all kinds of things without ever thinking about any of them. That's why Jesus is not afraid of our honest doubts because he knows how the answers change skeptics into disciples. This morning I call you to be like Thomas. Oh, he believed in Jesus before. Think about it. Thomas believed that Jesus lived. He believed uh, believed what Jesus taught. He believed that the miracles really happened. He saw them. He believed that Jesus died on the cross, that he was an innocent man, a victim of injustice. He believed all of those things. It was not enough. And some of you may have never gone beyond that. You believe all those things. It's not enough. In fact, Thomas was willing to go even further. Thomas was willing to be part of this group of disciples. He still met with the other ten, even though they were fearful for their lives and had to meet behind locked doors for fear of the persecution that might come to them. He didn't turn away from them. They were his friends. He associated with them. He identified with them as Jesus' disciples. He just didn't believe this stuff about Jesus actually rising from the dead. And may I suggest churches are full of those people who are willing to associate with Christians, willing to be identified with Christians. It's just that they don't don't believe something so radical as Jesus actually coming alive from the grave. But it's still not enough. When Thomas finally understood the reality of the resurrection, he went beyond all of them. He understood the full impact of his belief. And when he looked honestly at the living Lord Jesus, he understood that this was not just a great teacher, a great miracle worker, a kind man who had become a martyr. This is none other than the living God inhuman flesh, who had risen from the death be- dead because death could never hold him. And such a one must be God, therefore mu- he must be worshipped. And such a one must be my master, and he called him Lord, my Lord, and my God, as he fell at his feet to worship. That's what true discipleship looks like. This morning i call you, don't play games with God. Face the question. Don't settle for some watered-down hype as Christianity. Either it's true or it isn't. Either Jesus arose from the dead and he is alive today, or he didn't. If he did... We must absolutely worship and serve him with unconditional surrender. If he didn't, let's go fishing. What are we doing here? Jesus is not afraid of our honest doubts. But he calls us to honest discipleship. Well, we didn't even get to the second part, but I think it's time to quit, so we'll come back. About how we know him. Don't have to see him to know him. We'll look at it some more next week. Let's close in prayer. Dear Father, thank you for Thomas, our dear brother, who dared to voice some of the things that we often feel. Thank you, Lord, that you weren't afraid of Thomas. Thomas that you weren't bothered by his questions, but that you showed yourself to him powerfully in order that he might love you and worship you. I pray now, Father, that you would help us to be honest about our concerns, for our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked, Lord, and we would use even our honest questions, we would use them, Lord, as a smokescreen for rebellion, or way of excusing ourselves from doing what you tell us to do, Lord, I pray that we would be humbled to come to look at the evidence and to believe what you show us and to rise to worship and serve you. Make us disciples like our brother Thomas. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.